0: Thank you, Chris, for reading scripture for us this morning. Good morning. My name is Maureen Brown. I serve on the pastoral team here at the Attridge site of Forest Grove Community Church, and its um, I'm happy, it's a privilege, to bring the message this morning. We're in a series called Kingdom Culture, and today we're looking at Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18. This is part of what is called the Sermon, On the Mount, and Jesus gave this sermon, um, and I like to imagine what it looks like in my mind. So, if you can picture yourself, it's in on the hillside near Capernaum, and he probably gave this message over a series of days because the Sermon on the Mount it involves a lot. There's a lot of teaching in that, and. There would have been so many different people that he would have been addressing, and we've talked about this a little bit, but when I imagine this in my mind, I picture what it could be like. And we know there is probably three significant groups of people, and the first would have been the disciples, and so I imagine that they are sitting up close, that they're really close because they're wanting to hear every word that he's saying. They're wanting to be discipled, they're wanting to, to know more. And then the second group would have been the religious leaders, the the Pharisees, and I imagine them, you know, back a little bit with suspicious thoughts and wondering what's going on, but yet close enough to be intimidating. That's what I see in my mind, so that others are seeing that they're watching, because this, what Jesus was teaching, was messing with their system. And then the third group would be those curious onlookers. Those that had heard about him, wanted to hear more, were maybe questioning, but I just imagine them around kind of saying, did he really say that? Did you hear that? What? Could that be possible? I imagine them maybe looking at the disciples, at Jesus, and then maybe looking at the religious leaders wondering, how are they responding to this? And so today, as we come to the message this morning, I, I think We are a community of people that could be in each of those three places. Perhaps some of you, actually you logged on 10 minutes before you got on the live stream because you're eager and you're waiting and you're hungry for discipleship. And you're looking, you wanted to see all the posts that were coming, what's happening so they can learn more and grow. But I would wonder also maybe if there's those that are sitting back a little bit with a little bit more of a critical eye and wondering what's really going on. And, and maybe even, and I, because I don't know this, so it's not a judgment, maybe you even have your arms crossed and there's a little bit of prove it, or I have something going that's better. But I also know that one of the gifts of the pandemic has been that there's um, a possibility to kind of look from a distance. And so I, I wonder if there's lots watching this live stream and other live streams that are curious and that are saying, um, what and who is this Jesus that people are so passionate about? So wherever you find yourself today, and only you know in one of those which group you, that you find yourself in, I just pray that you'll be open and that we be open to what Jesus and the Holy Spirit wants to teach us this morning. Will you pray with me? So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and this time. And Lord, I... I, uh, I know that you, Holy Spirit, are the true teacher. So I pray that the things that are just of me, of Maureen, those would be the things that would fall away this morning. But Lord, when you nudge and we feel you move, I just pray those are the things that we would pay attention to. Lord, help us to be open to what you want to show us and how you want to lead us this morning. Amen. Okay, I want to start with a question. Have you ever been tricked by deceptive packaging? Something that looked incredible on the outside, and you buy it, and you open it up, and it is so not what you thought it was. It looks so much better in the pictures online. Or maybe it's something that, a food item, that just looks amazing, looks incredible, and then you bite into it, and you think, oh, this is not what I thought it was. I don't like this at all. You know, when we were first married, I remember um, I was learning how to cook. I did a few things that I cooked, but not, not lots, and I was experimenting, and I actually loved cooking. I still do. But I remember this one time, really early in our marriage, I had planned this meal, and it was lemon pork chops. They were going to be amazing. And those were the days that we didn't buy lemons by the bag like we do now. We're drinking it. It was really special. You bought lemons. I sliced them up. They looked so amazing. The presentation was even like, wow. And I couldn't wait till that night when Elmer was home. And uh, my husband, Elmer, sat down and, wow, this was a great meal. And then I will never forget the look on his face when he took the first bite. And he went, mmm kind of an odd look on his face, and I thought, interesting, but it wasn't until I actually bit into it that I realized, oh my goodness, and I, I, maybe I didn't have a good nose for smelling rancid meat. I'm not sure what it was, but I said, we can't eat this, and it looked better than it was. I, I also have to say that I really had an admiration for my husband because I thought, was he just going to eat that because he didn't want to hurt me? Uh, Believe me, we don't do that anymore. We both cook and we are e- honest with each other usually about <laughs> uh, we cook. But things can often look better on the outside. And as we turn to our text today in Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18, we're reminded of a principle. The principle is this: what's inside matters, actually matters most. And that's actually been the theme of this series. Jesus is giving instructions on how to live the kingdom life. And he spent a lot of time telling us it's important what's on the inside. And that actually your insides and your outsides should match. At different times in my life, I've had people that maybe get to know me in different circumstances ask me this question. Maureen, are are you religious? And you know, I actually don't know how to answer that question when they ask that, because I don't really know what they mean by the question. Are they talking about a relationship that I have with Jesus, or who I follow, or are they talking about something that they see that looks religious? Because Jesus tells us in these passages that our religiosity can be dangerous and can be damaging. In Matthew 6, verse 1, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus is not introducing a new topic here. He's continuing to unpack what he had said earlier. But here's the danger that Jesus wants to address. and It says, don't try to impress others with your relationship with God a big statement. Don't try to impress others with your relationship with God. Your righteousness needs to be different, he says. And righteousness defined is simply this, to be right with God. So Jesus is not, um, he's not condemning all public acts of worship, because actually we're doing one right now. So that's not what he's condemning, but he's saying that our relationship with him must be based not on a desire to impress others, but a desire to pursue God and give God the glory. So is it possible to engage in all the right behaviors and completely miss the point? I think so. When the goal is the behaviors, we'll miss it. But when the goal is God and a relationship with God, then the behaviors and the disciplines and the rhythms They can be really helpful. I I want to point out something that might seem a little confusing. If you listen to the message on salt and light that Pastor Bruce gave a few weeks back, it it was awesome. I encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't. But if you did listen to that, you will remember a verse from chapter 5, verse 16 that says, Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You might say, "Whoa, well, isn't that a contradiction?" In the passage we read today, Jesus says not to practice your righteousness before others. What's going on? How come Jesus says one thing and then another thing a few minutes later? Well, the answer is this. It's all about motive. Whose approval are we seeking? Then Jesus goes on to give three case studies, and as Chandra mentioned, these are common Lent practices, and they were common back in Jesus' day, and case studies on giving, praying, and fasting. In Matthew 6, 2, he says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And on praying in Matthew 6, 5, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And with fasting, he says in Matthew 6, 16, And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. There's kind of a pattern in those three verses and a word that shows up in each verse, the word hypocrite. And you know, that word actually shows up a lot now, too, doesn't it? That word hypocrite. And the word hypocrite comes from the Greek word hypokrites, which means an actor or a stage player. And the word hypocrisy comes from a Greek word meaning hip like hypocrite, which means jealous. So all of these things, this giving and this praying and this fasting, when done in a way that is rooted in jealousy, acting to impress others, Jesus says the reward is paid in full with that. And then he goes on and and talks about how to do it. And so this is also something we have to be a little careful of because this can seem like a list. Do it this way, don't do it this way. We need to remember that it's from the heart and our motive is what he's concerned about. Because in giving, he says, geez, he says, we should give in a way that it couldn't possibly impress others because they don't even know. Jesus uses an idiom to make the point that your giving should be so secret that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Well, we know that there's something deeper to that because I realize even in our giving to nonprofits, we have tax benefits and we can give to places that, um, you know, sometimes you get your sign, your picture on a paper or something, but the giving from the heart is what Jesus is referring to. Here's what I find surprising in these passages and in this passage. You know, Jesus just assumes that we're giving. He doesn't say, hey, now that your life has changed, I want you to think about giving to the poor. He says when you give and he talks about giving with the wrong motive or not. When our children were young we lived on a farm near Foam Lake and we attended a small church there. And there were some really neat stories back in those days about generosity and giving and I remember two particular stories that just keep uh, they stand out to me and I remember them with such fondness. So we'd often have in that small church a sharing time. I remember one Sunday, a single mother stood up and she said, I went to get my vehicle from having it fixed at the garage. And I was nervous because I knew I was going to have to ask them for a payment plan. But before I could ask, they told me that someone from here paid my bill in full. And then she just said, thank you and bless you. On another time, another person stood up and said our son wanted to go to Bible school next year, but we knew that it wouldn't be possible because paying the tuition is just something we couldn't afford. But when we contacted the school to inquire about loans or bursaries or payment plans, we were told that if our son wanted to apply, someone here had contacted them and committed to pay the tuition for the entire year said, thank you. I I don't even think to this day that they know who those people were that blessed them in that way. I also know that many of you have similar stories in our community here. And I know that many of you are the people that have given and sacrificed in secret to help others. So thank you and bless you for that. Then he goes on to praying, and Jesus, he isn't saying that we shouldn't pray aloud in public, but he's saying that most of our prayer should take place in in private, and that even when we pray in public, our focus should be praying to God. As I come to this, I have to say, let's be honest, um, I know so many of us, so many struggle with prayer, and so many struggle actually with praying out loud. And maybe it's because of this battle of motive or trying to impress or say the right words. But if you struggle with prayer, welcome to the club. You're not alone. And we want to grow in this. But at times, the problem is maybe not that we're doing it hypocritically. Our problem may be that we're hardly doing it at all. And so uh, Jesus addresses things like that. And in a book that some of us have read in this series by Skye Jathani called What If Jesus Was Serious, in referring to this Sermon on the Mount, Jathani says that the way Jesus teaches us to pray actually assumes we are connected. So even when we pray in private, we are part of a community, a spiritual community. Because when he teaches Pray Like This in the Lord's Prayer, It's talking about us collectively. He says, our Father, who art in heaven, give us, us. Forgive us. There's an us. It's not like my Father. Forgive me. Even though there are those times that it it is always personal. But it's lead us and deliver us. Even when done alone, prayer isn't a private activity. When we bow our head or when we pray these words, we are taking part in a family prayer. God's family that crosses boundaries um, globally. Like it just crosses all kinds of boundaries. And the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, binds the people of God together. And then in fasting, in those days when fasting, some would turn it into a performance by wearing sackcloths and looking gloomy so that everybody knew what they were doing. Jesus says, please practice basic grooming when you fast, so that you're not fasting as a performance, but fasting to pursue God. In our Lenten prayer, and as as Chandra shared so well at the beginning, um, and they're in the sermon discussion questions for today too, there's a, a prayer on fasting, and the idea that fasting from something, not just to be without, but to leave space for what you're feasting on something else to create room and space to grow in your relationship with God. That's the purpose of fasting. So but the one thing as I was I was preparing for this message the one thing that kept kind of jumping out to me is I hope you don't hear that we can't encourage one another. Because we are supposed to encourage one another. We are supposed to build one another up. Hebrews 10:24 says, "Let us encourage uh, or consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds." So encouragement is actually part of what we're supposed to do, so that's how we build each other up, but not to do things for the admiration or to impress others, because when we do that, Jathani says we're defined by our followers. We are defined by how many likes we have on a post. But if we're not striving for the praise and admiration of others, we can be defined by the one we follow. Now, that might seem like a slight change of words, but it's huge. And Jathani says this. Think of these two statements. We can either say, I am defined by my followers, or I am defined by the one I follow. And that leads to intimacy with God. And the more we develop this intimacy with God, the less we will strive for the affirmation and attention of others. Do we get it? I just ask myself, do I get it? Do we really understand that we will never be able to achieve God's approval by trusting anything else other than what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross? And when we get this, we'll be able to give, to pray, and to fast, motivated by love motivated by the love of God, transformed in Jesus Christ. Our motives will and can be different. Will we struggle with the tension back and forth? We're human. I know I will, and I do. But is Jesus there to help us? Yeah, I know he is. He does, and he will be there. I I actually can't think of a better way to respond to this message than to take communion together and to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us, to examine our hearts, to say, Lord, thank you. It might involve some confession. I pray that the Spirit has been nudging each of us and teaching and showing each of us some things. It might involve forgiveness that you need to extend to others and maybe... Forgiveness that you need to receive for yourself. God tells us to do that before we come to the table. But I I do hope that this message doesn't take you down a path of unnecessary guilt. Because God doesn't want us to live with that false guilt and shame. He wants us to be free. So if you recognize, man, this is a tension for me. I struggle with my motives. Then I think, yay, we're actually on the right path. Invite Jesus into the struggle. We're identifying things and how he's moving and working in our life. We can say then, Jesus, help us to grow and be transformed in you. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We're going to pray. And then Pastor Bruce is going to come and lead us in a time of communion together. And I just, I just ask that as you go to prayer, that you'd say, Lord, show me. Show me what you want to teach me during this time, during this time of Lent, during this time of when I really want to look at my motives, and that we truly would pray, Lord, you do the work. You do the transformation. Create in me a heart after you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, and I thank you for each person that's watching. And Lord, uh, you know where they're at. You know um, which crowd they fit into at the beginning of this message, but you know where you're nudging and moving them, Lord. And so I just pray that you would, you would help us to see what you're doing. Help us to respond. Help us to, to respond and be motivated by love, but mostly by your love, Lord. Thank you that... Um, you want to change us. Lord, that when we, uh, when we reach out to you, you truly do want to create in us hearts that have pure motives. And so, Lord, I pray for that. I pray that you would renew us today and that you would renew right spirits and right motives within us today. We love you, Lord. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.